Uh, my t- sermon for today is from Psalm 13. I'll read it for you guys. Um, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the de- sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Um, this psalm is a psalm of David. And like many of his psalms, David starts his... His psalms are songs, basically, right? They're songs that he wrote. He starts his songs pretty much... Like a lot of the, his psalms start off the same way. Well, with him in distress, right? He's like, oh, Lord, my enemies are about to like overcome me. And, and he seems very anxious and he seems very overwhelmed. And uh, we don't know what part of his life this psalm is from, but we know that David had lived a very exciting life. He lived his ups and his downs, and he, you know, he, he lived a life that was really like, you know, full of danger at times and full of anxiety and distress. Uh, as a young boy, he was anointed king, uh, and, but he doesn't become king till years later, right? Imagine just like hearing from God's anointed man saying, like, you're going to be king. And so just the way that I've been watching the show Crown. Who's seen The Crown? Anybody on Netflix? It's actually really good. Um, it, it talks about the life of uh, the, royal, the, the royal household um, like in the, from the 40s and the 50s. It, it, every, like, I think two seasons is like 20 years or something. Anyways, and so in the beginning, there's a, like King, uh, I forgot it, no, King, um, I think it's Edward. Um, is it Edward? He, like, he becomes king, right? And But then he wants to marry this divorcee woman. And back then, Church of England, like, they didn't allow um, marriage of divorced people. You know, they really was like, you know, like there was a lot of like taboo from the church and, and talking about things like that. And so he had to abdicate his throne, right? He became king. It was King Edward, and then he said, all right, I'm going to abdicate my throne. I'm going to step down, and my younger brother is going to take my place. And I remember watching this, and then the younger brother is like, how dare you do this to me? Like, how, how, how can you do this to me and my family? And if I was, if I was, I'd be like, man, I get to be king, right? I'd be excited. I'd be like, heck yeah, you know? Well, I think a lot of us would respond this way, but then um, you have to understand the weight of a king, right? And, and he talks about how, like, I have daughters, and my daughters are going to have to now like take over the throne and just the weight of this thing. And then if you look at David, right, it, just the life that he lived, yeah, he was the king, but there was just this massive weight that was on his shoulders, right? Like because he was a king, people were after him. Because he was king, they wanted to kill him. Because he was king, like the, it just it's the weight of this kingship was on his shoulder. And, and you can see his anxiety and you can see his distress all over the Psalms. There's so many... Psalms of lamentation, so many psalms that are just very depressing, right? Um, and so, it, it, like, he fights Goliath, he's victorious, and Saul gets jealous, and he chucks a spear at him, and now he's on the run for, like, years. He has to run um, from the king, and, you know, later in his life, uh, he lives this life of battle and war, right? He's like a warrior king. And so God literally tells him, like, I'm not going to let you build my temple, because you have blood on your hands. You've lived this life of just like, you know, just so much battle. And then your son, your son Solomon is going to build my temple for me. And then even later on in his life, his very own son, Absalom, 
right? He like overthrows him and he like usurps him and then and is out to kill him. Imagine, I imagine like imagine I grow up and then Ethan like wants to kill me. Right? Like he gets in the car and tries to run me down and says, I'm gonna kill you, right? So like he lived a life that was very just not just exciting and but it had his ups and downs, but it was very tumultuous. And um, there was a lot of anxiety and distress in his life. And, you know, we don't know where this psalm is from, but it's another one of these very um, distressful psalms. It starts out very distressful. He's in a lot of distress. He's in a bad situation. And people are trying to destroy him. And, and, um, and, and as he's crying out to the Lord, what he hears from the Lord is silence, right? David feels like he's been abandoned. He feels like God doesn't hear him. He feels like he's like crying out into the emptiness and, and, and God is far, far. He feels defeated. He feels like, you know, like he's going to die. But all he hears from the Lord is silence. And today, I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about times when God is silent. Right? Stressful situations in your life. And you pray and you cry out, but God is silent. Um, and he doesn't respond. How are we to be? And so uh, we have to know that when we follow God, there will, it's not like there might be seasons, but there will be seasons where God is silent with us. Right? There definitely will be seasons where God, and I'm sure a lot of you guys have lived through seasons like this where you cry out to God and he's silent. You don't hear from him. You don't see any resolutions to your distress. You don't see any kind of change in your circumstances. And you continue to hear from the Lord silence. But you have to understand that this is the norm. Uh, there's a great preacher. He lived a long time ago named Charles Spurgeon. He's one of my favorite preachers. You guys should like read his sermons. Um, they're old English. So there's a lot of thou and thee and you know hither and all that stuff. And when you really get down to the meat of his sermons, like he has one of the most profound voices, I feel like, um, in like modern preaching. And a lot of preachers today come from like the way that Spurgeon preached. And he says that, um, and this is also in real like old timing words, but it says, in it was language of that much tired man of God um, and is intended to express the feeling of the people of God in those ever returning trials which beset them. If the reader has never yet found occasion to use the language of this brief ode, he will do so ere long if he be a man after the Lord's own heart. He's talking about Psalm 13. And basically, you know, there's a lot of like funky language in there. But what he's talking about is like the, the words that David used, right? If you have never used these words in your life because you're crying out to God and you hear nothing in return, right? You're going to eventually use these words if you are a man after God's own heart. If you're doing right, if you're, if you're following the Lord, if you're going after the Lord, you're going to have seasons like this where you're going to cry out to God. You're going to use the language that David uses here in this very short psalm. So when you go uh, through seasons where God is silent, right? he feels far, he feels distant, he feels like he's not hearing you. Right? You might be going through seasons like this in your life, and it might actually be because you're doing the right thing. Right? Because you're in the right place. Now that doesn't seem like that doesn't seem very logical to us because usually when somebody is silent with us, we feel like, what did I do wrong? Right? Like when Mina 
And I love to call out Nina, but I love her. And happy Valentine's Day, my love. You forgot my chocolates. Korea, Valentine's Day, girls get the guys chocolates. So guys, remember, right? Next month we have to pay, but right now it's time for us to receive. Anyways, um, what was I talking about? All right. Uh, like, like, you know, when we're actually doing the right thing, right? You know, like, when, like Mina, when she's silent with me, I know that, that she, I did something wrong, right? Like, I wake up in the morning, and she wakes up, and I say, hello, my love, and just nothing. I'm like, well, I did something wrong, right? We attribute those same kind of circumstances to God. We're like, oh, God is silent. I, I've done something wrong. Some, something is wrong. Our relationship is, is not right. But, but what Charles Spurgeon says, and what the Bible says, is that when seasons like this happen in your life, we have to understand that you might very well be doing the right thing. You might be in the right place, and God might be silent with you for reasons that are beyond our comprehension. Um, but, but you know, we have to understand that that's just the way that God is. But it's hard when people are silent, right? When Mina's silent with me, I get, I get all angry. I'm the type that wants to resolve things right away, right? When she's silent, I'd be like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? You want to talk about it? What's wrong? What's wrong? You want to talk about it? Like, what did I do, right? I'll text her. What did I do? And then I don't see any. I don't even see the dot, dot, dot. I'd be like, oh, what's going on, right? It's uncomfortable when we feel silence. Mina recently, um, is February is the end of her contract, and her work is supposed to talk to her about her contract, right? But they were just silent. And it became this every weekly thing where we, I would ask her, did they talk to you about your contract? And they're like, nope, nothing. And every, her, all of her coworkers are getting so frustrated because there's so much, they're just like, they didn't want to talk about it. They're silent, right? Like, we want to know if we need to get another job. And they're like, silence, right? So it's uncomfortable when there's silence, when there is no response. So how are we to respond when God is silent with us? You know, a situation in our lives may be bad, it may be horrible, sick or circumstances may be all messed up. And we cry out to God and He is silent. He feels far. How do we respond? Right? And, and we can learn from how David responds to God's silence in this psalm. Right? I mean, he's, he's David. He's He's called the man after God's own heart. Right? And so how are we to respond like David in this song? And I would like to, I'll, I'll break this up into three parts, right? Part one, wallowing in anxiety, right? It's just, it's just wallowing in, in anxiety and fear and, and just, you know, just like the pit, right? And part two is crying out in prayer. And part three, I would say, is singing in faith. That's how it would break up the psalm. And so the start with wallowing in anxiety, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Right? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemies exalt, be exalted over me? When God is silent, it's easy to fall into this place of anxiety and distress that David expresses here. He's like, How long? God, how long, right? He says how long four times in two very short verses. How long? How long? He's waiting on the Lord. And one thing I want to point out, as believers, there will be times when we feel anxious and fearful and angry. Not everything is an attack of the enemy, right? Sometimes we just feel bad. Right? You got to understand, it's okay. Sometimes we just feel bad, but the question is, are we going to remain there? The question is, like, is this where we're going to camp out and remain? Or is, are we going to move with God to the place where he wants us to go? Because David here has this intense desire to be delivered. He's crying out. He wants to be saved. He wants to be rescued. 
and, and his desire has turned to impatience and it's turned into anxiety. And we have desires in our hearts. Right? We all have desires, good desires in our hearts. And when we're living our lives for God, you know, who place, he places those desires in our hearts. The good desires that we have in our hearts are there from God, right? He places those desires in our hearts. And when these desires are not met, it's easy for us to go from a place of desiring to a place of anxiety, impatience, frustration, and, and, and fear. And David here is wallowing in anxiety. He's wallowing in it. Right? He's like, how long, God, right? He's he says, how long? He's just crying. He's like, when Ethan, when I, when I tell him, all right, let's go. We're going to go to the playground and I just take some time. He's like, well, when are we going to go? Like, like when? Like, I thought we were going to go. And he's just, he's just wallowing in just, just frustration and his impatience. This is what David is doing here. He's wallowing in his impatience. He's crying out, how long must you do this to me? And these seasons in our lives feel so long, right? When things are going well in our lives, time flies by, right? I remember when we were on vacation in Vietnam, times flew by, bam, 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 right? Like life was so easy and free, but then when it's just like, when we're waiting on the Lord, like it really does seem like long suffering, right? That's what patience is in the Bible. Patience is described in the Greek, it's called long suffering, right? Nobody likes to be patient. Right? Does anybody like to be patient here? I know some of you guys are really patient. I know you guys don't enjoy it. Molly is a very patient woman. I know she doesn't enjoy being patient. It's just that she just has virtue in her life, right? Of patience, right? But it's, it's no fun waiting, right? Being patient is very difficult. The truth is, when we cry out to God and God is silent, it's easy for us to start looking at God differently. And this is what usually happens. We see his character differently. Now, this David is a man. It says that he's a man after God's own heart. He's a great man of God, and he responds to. Uh, he's a worshiper. He like he wrote all the songs, so many of the songs. He knew God intimately, and even this great man of God responds to God silence, and his understanding of God for a moment gets skewed. He's like, how long must you do this to me? His perception of God gets misaligned. Why are you doing this to me? How long? Are you going to forget me? How long will you forget me? Right? He thinks God has purposely forgotten about him. Right? As if God can forget any of us. He accuses of God of, of trying to forget him. Wanting to forget him. And his understanding and his perception of God gets misaligned. And he's like, God, why are you doing this to me? And when God is silent, it's really easy for the best of us to fall into some of this wrong thinking. It's easy to see God from place of the wrong perspective. And we blame God. How many of you guys have blamed God before? I've blamed God many times. How long... Will you forget me? He's blaming God. How long will you forget me? We feel like God is doing this to us. We feel like our circumstances could be made better if God would just do what He's supposed to do. Right? We look to God and we feel like God is causing all of these things to happen to us. And we call out to Him and there is no answer. And so now we start blaming Him for the wrong in our lives. We start blaming Him for the for the... For being late, we start blaming him for not 
showing up when we need Him to. And we forget that God disciplines the ones He loves. The trials and the waiting on Him is, can very well be for our benefit because He loves us. And so we, bl- we blame God. It's another one way that we can fall into this misaligned thinking about God when, we, when He doesn't respond. Or we, we, we take God's silence sometimes and we feel like He hates us. That He's annoyed with us. That He wants to punish us for something that we did wrong. Right? This is the way that I feel when Mina is silent with me. I'm like, what did I do wrong? And how will, how will I pay for this? Right? And we, think, we start thinking it's our fault. We did something to make God mad. How long will you hide your face from me? Right? He's saying, like, how long are you going to... like? It's almost like God is like hiding his face from David on purpose to make him feel bad. There are seasons when God will hide his face from us, but it's not because he hates us or he's annoyed with us or he wants to punish us. He hides his face from us to discipline us sometimes, to spark that joy in us, to spark that desire and that hunger for him. But it's always out of a place of love. God will never hide his face because he wants to smite us, because he doesn't like us. Even if there's particular sin in our lives, that we might be struggling with, God will never hate us. God can't hate us. Right? Because God is love. He can't he will never get annoyed with you. He doesn't he's not a, he's not like man. Right? I get annoyed with my kids all the time. But God is God and He can never get annoyed with us. Or we start thinking when God is silent, we can we we start to fall into taking counsel from our own soul. We start to take things you know, and, and we start to do things based on our own, our own understanding. We start to think like, hey, how am I going to fix this problem? He says, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? We start to try, we start to, try to solve the problem on our own. Try to figure things out on our own. And we create like devices and things that will counsel our soul. Make us feel better. And yet, to no avail... Because we start focusing on the issue, we start focusing on what you know what's wrong, and we'll try to figure it out, and we realize we're falling in deeper into despair, we're falling deeper into sorrow, deeper into grief. We start to wallow in our anxiety, we start to wallow in our fear, wallow in in, in just the grief of it all. And this can lead us into taking counsel from our own soul. We start making unwise decisions based on our own understanding. Now, I want to point something out. It's totally fine for you to make decisions in your life. God expects you to make decisions in your life. There are plenty of decisions that I make. I don't go to God and say, God, what did I do? Should I wear these socks or these socks? No. We make decisions, right? Like, what kind of car should I buy? But then, you know know those decisions that, that you pray and you don't hear something from the Lord, but in your heart, Right, Holy Spirit is leading you. Hey, and you know, like I don't think I should be doing this, right? But then, but then, when He's not responding, and we don't hear from the Lord, we can start to make these unwise decisions in our life, decisions that are based on our flesh, decisions that are based on our our soulish understanding of the circumstances. Because our souls are terrible counselors. When we try to start. Take comfort in our own soul. It just leads us into deeper grief. 
But our counsel and our comfort comes from the from the Lord. And and what Charles Spurgeon is saying is that for all of the followers of God, people that truly want to follow God, we will have found ourselves in this kind of predicament at one point in our lives. We will. Where we feel like we're at the end of our rope, when we feel like God doesn't hear us, God is not working in our lives. We feel alone, we feel abandoned, we feel hopeless, right? So what, what does the this, this psalmist do? What does David do? Right? Because he's wallowed in his anxiety in the first part of this psalm. He's like, how, how long, God? How long? Why are you doing this to me? How long will you let my enemies prevail over me? How long is this going to take? He's been wallowing in his anxiety. And then what does he do next? He cries out in prayer. He says, consider and answer me. My own Lord, my God, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. It says, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. We see him cry out to God for help. Consider me, hear me and answer me. We will all find ourselves in circumstances like David finds himself. We will all be in situations where we need God to move, but he is silent. He's not answering. He's not moving. We will find ourselves in trials like this. But what sets David apart and what will set us apart is prayer. David cries out in prayer. And you have to look at this prayer. He says David is being real with God. He's being real. He says, consider... My, and answer me, O Lord my God, lest my eyes, uh, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over and lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. He's like, God, answer me because I feel like I'm going to die. He's like, he's being real with God. He's being honest with God. Ah, you have to show up, God, because I feel like I'm going to die. He's being honest with him. He's being vulnerable with God. I feel like I'm going to die and my enemies are going to have a party over my death, right? And David prays to God. He has no pretense. He's not trying to sound all righteous and holy before God. He's like, God, I'm going to die if you don't come. I feel like I'm going to die. I want to ask you, have you ever been honest and vulnerable before God in prayer? Do you, do you pray, and when you go to God, do you have to be perfect? Oh Lord, the holy, holy God, anointed and seated in the right hand, you know? Like, like these long, prolific prayers. My uncle does this really well. Every time I go to my uncle's house, he's a Korean elder, and then he'll be like, like, I forget what he says in He's basically like, Oh, glorious and heavenly Father seated at the right in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Like, that's how he prays, right? And we're, we're, he's praying for dinner and he prays like 10 minutes, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. But, like, have, but have you ever felt really bad and prayed, like, God, I feel like, I feel horrible, God. I feel like, 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 I'm going to die. I feel like everybody hates me. I feel like I just want to crawl up in a ball and, 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 and just 
die, right? Remember, remember what happened to um, Eli, Eli, uh, Elijah, where after he defeats the prophets of Baal, and then you know, like he like does this amazing thing where he like you know sacrifice, you know, the, all these priests of Baal are like you know whipping themselves, and you know they're trying to like call down fire from heaven. Then Elijah like pours water on the sacrifice, like water upon water, and then. He prays to God and fire comes and just consumes the sacrifice. And everybody's like, oh, God, he's really, you know. And then all of a sudden Jezebel comes after him and then he runs away and he like hides out in this mountain and he's like crawls into this thing. He's like, oh, I feel like I'm going to die, right? And that, that's, there's a whole nother sermon in there, right? It's about, you know, but, but like that's, like, have you ever felt that way where you, something happened in your life and you just like want to crawl up into a little ball and just like, oh, I feel like I'm going to die. Have you ever, do you open your heart to God in those moments and say, God, like, this is, I feel hopeless. I feel like everybody hates me. I feel like, you know, like, I feel like, you know, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what to do. I need you to help me. No, I, I, I remember, like, about three, four years ago, I went, I've said this story many times, but I went through this, like, kind of season of depression in my life, right? It was like, you know, after a lot of people in our church took off, you know, they went back to America. And I remember going through this long season, um, about a year, maybe even longer, just kind of depression where I just felt like, you know, I don't want to preach anymore. I just, I just felt like bad, you know. And then right, and then this was right around the same time that Mina was going through a season of depression. And so it was just like this one-two punch. You know, and I felt like I was just like, like, I didn't want to do ministry anymore. And I remember... I just felt really horrible. And one night, I was supposed to preach the next morning, and I remember just crying to God. I was like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't want to do ministry. There's like ministry. Like I feel like I feel like I'm being a fake. I feel like I feel like a, you know, like I'm a fraud. I felt like, you know, I felt like like unqualified. I felt so just like didn't want to wake up in the morning, go to church, and say a sermon. And I was just like, I just felt like. Like really, really crappy. And I remember sitting in bed, and I was really late at night. And I was just crying to God. I was like, God, what do I do? Like, do I quit the ministry? And I remember thinking, if I quit the ministry, what do I do? Right? What do I do? I'm a, I'm an ex-con. I like, you know, went through this crazy life. And what do I do with my? How do I? How do I support my family? And I just felt like just so lost, and I just felt so defeated. And I remember just like just praying to God. And you know what? In that moment, I felt so much release and grace just because I knew that God heard me, heard me, not heard me. <laughs> he heard me. I, could, I, I like he didn't respond. He didn't, my circumstances didn't change. But I remember him saying like, "Hey, I hear you. Right? I hear you." And it's this cathartic thing where we're able to just unload on God. Right? We feel like if we just told God everything that we're struggling with, that God's gonna be like, "Ugh," you know, like. I don't want to hear that. Right? I just want to hear the good stuff, right? I just want to hear about your quiet time. I just want to hear about, you know, like all the nice things you did today. You know, I don't want to hear about all of the things that you're struggling with. No, God doesn't respond that way. God is the most empathetic being in the universe. And we, he, he could take all of our garbage. You know that? He could take all of our garbage. And you know what? We all have garbage. If you don't think you have garbage, right, you're speaking garbage, right? We all have garbage in us, right? We all have things that are insecurities, right? 
I have so many insecurities, not just my weight, right? I have so many things I feel insecure about. There's so many things I feel bad. I feel shame and all of these things. And I feel like, oh, I can't bring this to God. Like, I, I got to, you know, I, I, I got to bring on just the good stuff, right? He's, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I can't go to him like dressed like this, you know? But God, he, he can take our nonsense. He can take our garbage. He can take our, our deepest points of our despair. And he, can, he will be there with us. I had this assurance, it's like, like I, he heard my prayer. Things didn't change, but he, he heard my prayer. He understood me. Just the prayer alone ministered to my soul. Let me tell you, God doesn't care about your eloquence, about your grammar, about how big your use are, words are when you pray. He cares about your heart. He cares about your honesty with Him, how open you are, how vulnerable. You know what that is called? It's called repentance. Right? Vulnerability with God is called repentance. Right? Because there's nothing good that we can bring to him that he's going to be like, oh wow, I, mean, I, I, I never had one of these before. Right? Like, like we, there's nothing good that we can produce in ourselves and be like, oh God, here you go. And he's like, oh, oh this is odd. No. Everything that we give to God is like, the, the Bible says, is like dirty, filthy rags. Right? So, so when we are able to just be completely vulnerable and just give Him all of our things, that's the heart of repentance. We can't, we can't really be with God unless we repent. And we feel like repentance is like, oh God, I did something wrong last week. and I, no, no, that's called confession. Repentance is like, God, this is my everything. It's every bad thing that I have done and every, every crazy thing that I'm thinking, all that, I just want to face you. And I, despite this, right, I still want to be connected to you and I want you to change my life. And that's what vulnerability with God is. This is the type of prayer that, that David prays. It's like, I feel like I'm going to die if you don't show up right now. In the midst of David's situation, God is silent. David's about to give up and he cries out to God and he is honest and vulnerable before him. He's broken before the Lord. And, 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 and he's just a mess and I want to tell you today that you're allowed to be a mess with God. You're allowed to be a mess sometimes, right? And let me tell you, me and Mina, we were a mess sometimes, right? Not just our house, but just, we're just a mess. We, we got, you have to be, the only person in this universe that we can completely be a mess with is God. We're allowed to be a mess. He actually loves our messes. You know that God is a better parent than me? Yes, of course, right? He is a better father than me. Because when I came out to our house this morning, I woke up and the kids had been up for about an hour. They usually make their own breakfast. And it was a mess. It was a filthy mess. I'd be like, what happened? Right? And I'd be like, clean up now. Clean up. Or you can't watch anything for a year. You know, like, clean up. And I kept on having to tell them, clean up. Because like, like, you know... But, you know, God, He doesn't treat us like that. He's like, what a mess, Caleb! How dare you make this mess in your life? You know what He does? Oh, you made a mess. Now let me, let, let me walk with you. Right? I'm not going to fix your mess for you, but I'm going to be with you in the process and help you to, to not get, you know, work yourself out of this mess. Right? Right? I don't do that with my kids. <laughs> I would like, clean up, right? 
But God, when He sees the mess in our lives, and He doesn't want to, He's not going to snap, sometimes He does, but He's not going to just snap His finger and fix it for us, but He's like, you know what? I'm here with you, and I'm going to walk you through this process so that you can work yourself out of the mess that you're in. He's a loving God. And, and He's okay with our mess. He's not okay, but He's not scared by our mess. He's not scared by our vulnerability and all of the things that we can bring Him. And, and right here, I want you to focus on David's prayer. It says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. He prays for God to light up His eyes. He's talking about His eyeballs, right? His vision. Like, give me glasses. No. I, I need to find my glasses, right? I really do. <laughs> my vision is just getting worse. And then I, get, I look at the back of the TV and I'm like, Molly, what does that say? No. All right. Is he talking about his physical eyesight? No, he's talking about the eyes of God. It's what Paul talks about in Ephesians, right? Where he's like, like so your heart may be enlightened. The eye of your heart may be enlightened. So he's, he says, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Talking about the eye of his heart. And David prays that God will light up his eyes, alright, because he knows that the situation around him has caused his heart to be darkened. He knows that he is not perceiving things correctly. He knows that the way that he sees the situation and the way that he sees God has been darkened. And he prays for God to shine his light into his eyes, the eye of his heart. What David is praying for is not for the situation to necessarily change, but for his perception of his situation to change. For God to light up his perception, for him to see God correctly, for him to see his circumstances correctly, and for him to see his enemies correctly. And for many of us, when we are in the thick of it, when we're like, when things are bad, what do we, how do we pray? When we're going through our trials, we tell them, what? You know, we were like, God, change the situation. Do this for me. Make it this way. But what we need is a change in our perspective. For God to light up our eyes. For God, for us to see God correctly. For us to see the situation correctly. Our circumstances correctly. And as David cries out in prayer, we see a shift in the song. And David moves to singing in faith. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. First thing to take note is that David's situation has not changed. He doesn't say, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaking. And then you came and then you answered my call and then you destroyed my enemies. And now I trust in you and your steadfast love forever. That's not what he says. Nothing has changed in David's circumstances. And has, has God answered him? No, not yet. Nothing's changed. But it seems like everything in this psalm has shifted. There's a lot of psalms like this that David writes. And he finishes it this way. Psalm 6. He's in anguish through most of this psalm. It says, verse 7, it says, 6. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drenched my couch with tears, right? That's some, like, crazy metaphors, right? My eyes grow weak with sorrow 
They fail because all of my foes away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard me weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back suddenly and be put to shame. And then he worships God, right? And where in there has this situation changed? All he says is, the Lord has heard my cry. This is worship filled with faith. He heard my cry for mercy. He didn't resolve anything. Well, there is the faith and dependence on God, knowing that He, he is with Him. Most of these Psalms, David's situation doesn't change. But what changes is David's heart. His heart. His perspective changes. The eye of his heart gets enlightened. And he goes from weeping to rejoicing. Right? He looks around, his enemies are still there. But everything has changed because of the transformation in his heart. And that so prayer brings into our circumstances. When we pray, we leave it to God and we put our faith in Him and we allow our faith in God to drive out the anxiety and the fear in our hearts. And when we pray correctly, we're able to kill anxiety and fear. Because we feel like the only way that our fear and anxiety can go away is if God changes the situation. How many of you guys think that way? I think that way all the time. I feel like this is, God, like like I have this plan and, and it can only make me feel good if you do it this way. So let's do it this way, right? Ethan does this to me all the time. Like He's like, God, you have to do it like this. This is the only way. I'm, I'm like, well, I can do it like this. Like, no, no, you can't. You have to do it like this, right? This is the only way, right? And I would like, I know more than you. You can do it this way, and it's faster, and it's quicker. It's like, no, no, no. I, I, this is the way I learned it. You have to do it this way, right? We, we're like that with God all the time. We tell Him, like, God, I can only feel better right, if, if you do this for me. And, and, and if you don't, I'm, I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to be worried. I'm going to be fearful. And then Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for good those who love Him, who have called, who have been called according to His purpose. Right? That, that has no, nowhere in there to say that, you know, like, that He's going to do it in His time, in our timing and the way that we want it. But it says, for His will and for His purpose. His purpose. His will. His timing. We put our faith in Him, not on the things that we want Him to do. So many times we put our faith in the things that we want Him to do. But not on Him. But we have to put our faith in Him. Knowing that He is greater than anything that can stand against us. So many times we pray and we wallow in our anxiety of waiting for what we pray for to happen. We feel like relief and salvation can only come when we pray for what, when we receive what we pray for. But that's not what prayer is. That's, that's like, you know, that's, that's not what prayer is. Prayer is rooted in faith. Prayer is like, God, I, I know that you can do this for me, but even if you don't, I'm going to put my faith in you. And what's more important is my connection with you and knowing that you are with me. Faith in God and who He is. 
and we don't depend on the outcome. Our faith is not in the outcome. Because a lot of times, our perception of the outcome is too narrow, too small. Like, God, do this. And God's like, no, I want you to, I want you to get all of this. He said, no, I don't want that, I want this. Right? But then, so many times, we, we, we only, we bottleneck God and say, God, fix my problem this way and I'll, I'll feel better. But if we put our faith in Him, when we worship Him with true faith, when we sing, we're like, God, you are greater and you are above all these things. And I put my hope and trust in you. And all of a sudden, He starts to break off that anxiety. He doesn't break it off. We break it off ourselves through thanksgiving, worship, and praise. Right? The worry and the fear and the anxiety goes away. When we are waiting for God to move and He's silent, and we're like, how long, you know, how long? We have to move to a place where we're like, God, right? I know it's been taking a while, but God, if I have you, then there's, there's nothing else I need in this world. I want to close with what David stands on as he's waiting on the Lord. The last section, he stands on these amazing things. And the first thing that he stands on is, it says, but I, verse 5, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. And he stands on God's amazing love for us. When he is silent, we have to know that even in his silence, that he loves us and is for us. We have to believe that the reason why he is silent might be because he loves us. Might be asking for something that God doesn't want you to have. Why? Because it might not be good for you. Because he loves you. He might be silent because and he might be hiding his face from you because he's disciplining you. Because the Bible says he disciplines the ones he loves. Right? You never lose sight of his love, especially when God is silent. That's when we have to like cling to his love. I know you're quiet with me, but I know that you still love me. I know that you're still for me. I know that you're still moving in my life, even though I do not perceive it. Love endures forever. David says this over and over in the song. Your love endures forever. Your love endures. Your steadfast love endures forever. That's what you have to hold on to. In those seasons where he's silent, right? don't let your heart go to the place. It's like, oh, God doesn't like me. God hates me. God is mad at me. No, he's like, God loves me. He loves me. Because he loves me so much that he was willing to send his son to die for me. So we stand on his love. And number two, he says, My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. We stand on the salvation that we have in the Lord. And the circumstances of this world start to overwhelm us. We have to look to God's salvation as our like ultimate plumb line, our compass, our true north. And for us, that's the gospel, right? And when, when the world around us seems to be crumbling and we look to God and He's silent, we have to hold on to the truth that He's spoken over us through the cross. There's the cross. Right? Even though the world falls away, what do we still have? We still have the cross. A cross means everything. Because He loves us so. He, he proved it to us. 
by dying on the cross for us. And he gave us salvation. And that salvation right, is beyond this world. So we stand on his love and we stand on his salvation. Next, it says, I will sing to the Lord because he, uh, he has dealt bountifully with me. We stand in worship. We sing to our God in praise and thanksgiving for who he is, for what he has done for us. We stand on the testimonies that he's written in our lives. We all have testimonies, you guys. You guys all have testimonies. Sometimes you guys are like, oh, God doesn't really do a lot in my life. Oh, really? Look at what God's doing in your life and see it as a testimony. And be thankful. That place of thanksgiving is life transforming. Praise and thanksgiving. We stand in worship. Right? Even in the worst circumstances, there's still things that we can be thankful for. Even in the even if our situation is just the worst that we can ever imagine, we can still stand and we can still be thankful and praise God. And lastly, David says, because he has dealt bountifully with me. Right? What is he talking about? He's talking about the things that God has done in the past. Talking about those testimonies, the times that he's blessed him and the times that he's shown him favor, times that he's been there to protect him and guide him and shepherd him. And what he's doing, he's standing on God's timing. We have to know that all of the times that God has blessed us and has been there for us, it was on his timing. It's not on your timing. It's on his timing. His timing is always right. I have to learn to trust God's timing. Oh, God's silent with me. When was it? How long, God? How long, God? God is just like, wait. I love you. I'm not going to give you a counterfeit of what I want, I'm trying to give you. Right? Why are you asking for this cubic zirconian when I got a diamond for you, right? And we always think like, God, I want it now in my timing, right? But we have to learn to be patient with God. Long-suffering. Because it's, been, it's not fun. Nobody enjoys it. But God is like, you know what? There's the reward. And it's my timing. You know, God's timing is amazing. It really is amazing. You guys have heard my story about me going back to school. That was all God's timing. Right? Like Literally. I was like, you know, like I was crying out to God for ages. I've been in Korea for what? Almost 11 years now. Is it 11? Maybe 2007. What year is it? How many years is that? Who knows math really well? I think it's like 12, 13 years, right? Well, I've been here a long time, right? <laughs> and all those times, I would, I would be crying out to God, like, God, when, how can I do this? You know? And all of a sudden, just like within a day, God brings everything in line by His sheer will. And all of a sudden... I'm at exactly the place I am. I, God wants me to be, and doing the, exactly the thing that God wants me to do. This is His timing. His timing truly is divine. So we have to learn to wait on His timing. His timing is, is perfect. He knows best. His thoughts are higher than ours. His thoughts are greater than ours. His ways are greater than ours. Now there will be times in your life where God is silent, and these seasons seem so long. And we may never know why God is silent. Right? It might be because you know you asking for something that you that is not right for you, 
Now, he might be wanting you to build trust in you and discipline you and help you to grow in your faith. Or it might just be because, just because, right? right? It's just because. God not going to tell us the reason why he's silent with us. Like he gives us a way to find peace in the rest and rest in the midst of waiting on the Lord, in the midst of his silence. We have the power of prayer, faith. Knowing that He loves us, that He is for us, and that nothing can separate us from His love. Knowing that His timing is perfect. And we have to learn to trust in Him. We need need Him more than any answer or response that we can get from Him. Don't focus on the provision, but focus on the provider. So many times we're like, you know, we focus on the provision. Like, God, I want this. I want this. I need this. And we 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 take our eyes off the provider and we look at the provision. And God's saying, like, hey, like, like all of the gold and the silver and anything in this universe is at my disposal. If I wanted to give you something, I can give it to you now. I want you to look to me. Look to me. Look to my face. No, like look at my face, because because I, I want you to con- be connected with me so that you can actually steward and actually like like possess the things that I have for you. you no, know, God has amazing things for you, but then so many times we're just looking at the things that He can do for us. But God wants us to set our eyes upon Him because only when we set our eyes upon Him. Do we have the character and the things that we need to possess for us to actually handle the amazing things that God wants to give to us? Sometimes we fall short of God's like amazing things that He wants to give to us because we're just so focused on things that we can get from Him. And we're not, we're not focused on the character. We're not focused on you know, His, His goodness. We're not focused on who He is in our life and, and our relationship with Him. We just want, I just want you to do this for me, right? But then he said, like, look at me. Don't look at my hand. Look at me. We're always waiting on the hand of the Lord. Move this way, God. But he's like, no, wait upon the face of the Lord. Look upon my face. Because when you look at my face and when you focus on my face and you're transformed into who I want you to be, I have this for you. And he's going to give it to us in our lives. That's the only way we're going to be able to receive God's will in our lives is, is if we focus on his face and who he is. Don't look at the provision. Look at the provider. Because he is loving and he is for us. Let's all stand up and let's close in prayer.